Hey, how many of you have seen Top Gun? Talk to me, Goose. Was that a good movie? I mean, come on. It's got everything that you could want in a movie. Adrenaline, danger, speed. It's just, it's a great movie. As I was thinking about that movie and thinking about this series, The World Spins Madly On, I thought, you know what? The story of Elijah has all those same components. It's got intrigue and danger and enemies and speed and adrenaline. I mean, case in point, last week's message, we, we talked about, our senior pastor Ashley talked about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. One crazy prophet takes on 450 enemies in this spiritual contest. If you haven't read that story, you, you gotta, let's see why we read the Bible, you know, stories like that. I, I, spoiler alert, it ends with a great ball of fire, just like Top Gun. See what I did there? What would you think Elijah would be remembered for 800 years after he lived? Because you could remember him for his great miracles, like he raised someone from the dead. I mean, that's got it. Nope, it's not that. It could be how he confronted Ahab, the king of the nation. Nope. It's not that. Believe it or not, what they remembered Elijah for 800 years later was his prayer life. I, I know, it's crazy. Let me, let me read the passage. This is from Jesus' half-brother, James, writing about the prayer life of Elijah. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You know what that, that would be like in our day? Let's say that Ashley calls all the leaders together of Phoenix, and he just unloads on them. I mean, it's hard to imagine because he's such a nice guy, but I mean, he just like pops a cork and he just yelling and shouting and pointing a finger. You people are, are not standing up for the righteousness of God. You've forgotten about biblical values. Our culture has gone a downhill spiral and you're part of the problem. Can you imagine that? And then he says, because of that, I'm going to pray against our economy. I'm going to pray that, our, our, that our, our, the prices for energy quadruple. I'm going to pray that inflation skyrockets. I'm going to pray that un, unemployment goes up and the stock market goes down. And as he walks away, they think, well, this guy's nuts. Until the stock market crashes that day. And they try to find him to, like, to have him reverse it, but he goes into hiding. Even the FBI is looking for him because all the damage he caused through his prayer, but they can't find him. Now, what you and I know is he's, he's in Sun City playing pickleball, but <laughs> like they, they never think to look over there. And so for three and a half years, and then he pops out again and says, now, because you have been brought to your knees and you bow before God, God is going to restore your fortunes and the stock market rises and people get employed. Imagine that. Eight, if, if he did that 800 years from now, they wouldn't be talking about his, him being senior pastor of this church. They'd be talking about his prayer life. That's what's going on with Elijah. You know what's going on with me? Not that. I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but of all of the spiritual disciplines, Bible reading and fasting and prayer and solitude, journaling, mission work, generosity, of all the spiritual disciplines, the prayer is probably, it's not my worst. That would be fasting. <laughs> Boy's gotta eat. 
But prayer is down there. You know why? It's not because I don't believe enough in prayer. I do. It's not because I don't believe enough in God. I do. Here's the secret. It's because I believe too much in myself. If I create a problem, I will fix it myself. If I encounter an obstacle, I will break through it myself. If I have an opportunity, I will grab a hold of it myself. Because I, it's not just negative. I, like, I want God to be proud of me. I want you to be proud of me. And so I try to live a life that honors him and others. But the problem is, and maybe you've experienced this as well, puny prayers will never accomplish massive goals. And if you're not shooting for something beyond your capacity then you are not praying fervently enough like the life of Elijah. It's not simply that you want to be great. It's not that at all. You want to do great things for God. And prayers that are puny will never have powerful impact on our culture, on our families, on our business, on our world. So if you don't mind, I'd just like to coach you a little bit in Elijah's prayers. What made him memorable 800 years later? I and mean, then here's the beauty of it. There's four things. You have more access to all four attributes of Elijah's prayer. You may not believe it, but I'm going to try to prove it. Here we go. Number one, Elijah prayed bold prayers. First recorded prayer. <laughs> he prayed that this little boy who had died would be raised from the dead. That, you got to have some chutzpah to pray that. It's like, because if, I mean, seriously, he's dead. Second prayer, Elijah prayed for fire to come out of heaven. Whoosh, it did. Third prayer, he prayed that after three and a half years, it would not just rain. We're not talking about a driddle, drizzle. We're talking about a toad strangler. Like, it just comes crashing down. Elijah's prayers were bold, bodacious, big prayers. And it's not just that his prayers were big, his faith was big. We're going to be landing in 1 Kings 18. We're going to read four verses, one for each of the lessons of prayer. The first one comes from chapter 18, verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab's the king, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Except there wasn't. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. There was no rain on the horizon, nor had there been for three and a half years. Now, my wife tells me that she can smell rain. I thought she was crazy until every time she smelled rain, an hour later it was raining. Some of you have bad knees and you can feel the rain before it comes. Like a day before it comes, you say, well, I'm just going to rain and I know it's going to rain and then it does. Elijah could hear the rain before there was an answer to his prayer. He heard the prayer of God that God was about to answer. His prayers were bold and audacious. He knew that God would come through. And the problem with most of our prayers is not that we're praying for too much, but we're praying for too little. And we're praying for too little because the sound of the storm around us is drowning out the voice, voice of God near us. And, and the good news is, believe it or not, you can pray more boldly than even Elijah because Jesus introduced God as Father. Here's why that matters. 
No one had ever prayed to God as Father until Jesus. And so suddenly, we're not praying to this distant deity in a galaxy far away. We're praying to a Father who is near, who is doting over the details of our lives. What would you ask of a loving Father who is right next to you? That is the bold prayer that we need to be asking for. I actually have a friend of mine who prays like that. His name is Tony, and I was invited to go speak to about 500 pastors, do some training in Ethiopia. And I asked Tony to come because <laughs> Tony's a heck of a lot of fun to be around. Tony had, uh, his surgeon told him, you need your rotator cuff replaced, right shoulder. Like, it, it's bad. And he goes, listen, doc, I'm going to go to Ethiopia, and I'm going to ask the pastors there to pray for me. Because they're poor, they're persecuted, they have massive faith. I think they can pray a yes out of God for my shoulder. And I said, okay, Tony, I will do that for you. Like, I'll ask the pastor to pray for you, but you just got to understand, when they lay hands on you and pray, I'm going to lay hands on you also. And if you get healed, I'm totally taking credit. So into the conference, I said to the pastors, if any of you regularly pray for healing in your church, just come on forward. Tony, my friend, his right shoulder has been injured. They say it needs surgery. Can you pray healing over him? So about six guys come up. And about two minutes into the prayer, my hand is on his left shoulder. I feel this kind of vibration. And I thought there was an old man behind him leaning way over. I thought the old guy's like shaking. Or, or Tony's getting healed. One or the other. And then I started to feel this heat in his shoulder. You ever pick up a coffee cup and you feel like it's warm inside? And now his right shoulder is the one that's injured. My, my hand was on the left shoulder. It starts to get warm and I thought, doggone, I think he might be getting healed. And so after the prayer was over, we went and sat back down. We were on the stage because in Africa, dignitaries are put on the stage, visitors, you know. They, they started worshiping again. I'm just curious. I go, so Tony, well, what do you feel? And he goes, I feel no pain. For five years, he had been in constant pain. For five years, he hadn't lifted his hand above his shoulder. I said, okay, but I, you know, that could have just been, I don't know, psychosomatic. He feels no pain. I said, how's your mobility? And as others were raising their hand in worship, he just went. But again, doubting Thomas, I thought, well, that could be like an adrenaline rush, you know? The moment I knew he was healed, after the service, we're leaving, he picked up his backpack, threw it over his shoulder, took one step, and froze because he hadn't done that for five years. Jesus not only healed his shoulder, he healed the muscle memory of protecting an injured shoulder. That was 15 years ago. Tony still not had surgery. God healed him. Those are the kind of prayer. What would you ask God for? It doesn't mean that he always has to say yes, but what would you ask God for if you really believed that he was your father? Now, to protect us from asking for foolish things, we need to learn lesson number two. Here it is. Elijah listened attentively. Before he ever prayed, he listened to God the first time he listened to God, God said, Elijah, I want you to go to the ravine of Kareth. It was not a vacation destination. He was in hiding in a desert for three and a half years, fed by ravens. Not fun. And then he heard the voice of God say, I want you to go to Zarephath. 
That's outside of Israel. He's sending him to foreign territory and to a widow woman who was poor. This is not the Ritz. Third time he heard God, God said, I want you to go to King Ahab and confront him. Well, that's a suicide mission. But every time he heard God's voice, he obeyed and did what God asked him to do. And here's a lesson. We just need to learn it. Prayer warriors open their ears before they open their mouths. I'm going to show you what that looked like for Elijah in 1 Kings 18, this is verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. That's the mountain. He bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of listening to what God is saying to him. Here's my problem with listening in prayer. I have difficulty hearing when there's noise around me. So, for example, they pray for my wife. I, I don't know how some of you women can do this. You can actually listen to six conversations at once while you're ignoring your children screaming at you. It's, it's a, like a spooky skill. I don't have it. My wife has it and doesn't understand that I don't have it. So if she comes and tries to talk to me while I'm watching TV, I've learned for the health of my marriage, I need to mute the volume of the TV so I can listen to her. She still doesn't get it. Like, I can't, I, like, I can't do that. So one time, <laughs> this is stupid. She comes in a room and I'm watching TV and I want to save my marriage. So I hit mute and I turn to her and say, what? And she says, oh, I didn't mean to disturb you. To which I said, then why did you enter the room? (laughs) Was that bad? (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I'm not able to listen to multiple voices. So if, if I don't put mute on social media, like I can't even have my phone in my prayer closet, I'll be distracted. No TV, no radio, and most of us, we're just not quiet long enough to hear the voice of God. Here's another thing. I really want to share this with you. You mind if I teach you something? Because when I learned this, it was a game changer for my prayers. God doesn't always speak to you in an audible voice. In fact, I don't know very many people who have actually heard an audible voice from God. There are some. I'm not one of them. But God is able to speak to you in the way that you can hear him speak. And he will speak in dozens of different ways. If you you put mute on the volume of your life and just spend some time, and for me, it usually takes seven to eight minutes of silence before I can ever hear the voice of God. So I can't hear God when I'm driving. We pray when we're driving, especially in I-17, I pray all the time. But hearing God is different. When you press mute, hear some of the ways that you can hear from God. Bible reading, silence, nature, meditation, journaling, music, sermons, seeking advice, art, dreams, fasting, conscience, testimonies, books, intuition, family, suffering, pastors, communion. God speaks in all these different ways. Notice that I did not put spouse on the board. That is one of the ways that God speaks to me all the time. 
I know this about God, the Holy Spirit in particular. Holy Spirit's a chatterbox. He's talking all the time. He just can't stop talking. So if you have not heard from God today, it's not because he's not talking. It's because you haven't been listening. And when you begin to listen in all these various ways, there are dozens more ways that God can speak to you. When you begin listening to God, you will have clarity about what to ask for when you finally open your mouth. And what I've noticed about the life of Elijah, this is such good news, you can pray more attentively than even Elijah prayed because scriptures reveal God's will in Jesus. Elijah had no clue about the game plan of God. He didn't even know John 3.16, but you do. You know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because you know Jesus, you have way more understanding of the will of God and the ways of God. You even know how the book ends. Read Revelation, Jesus comes back. Another ball of fire from the sky, if you will. This is good news for your prayer. Because you can know even more than Elijah how to pray a prayer that will get a yes from God. Here's the third thing about Elijah's prayers. Elijah was poised to partner with God. In other words, he didn't just pray. He started doing things to help God in the answer to his prayer. But what's that look like? But pretty simple. If you pray for rain, carry an umbrella. If you're praying for a friend to come to Christ, invite them to church. If you're praying for health, go to the doctor, go to the gym, or change your diet. Do what you can so that God can do what you can't. I want to show you this principle back in James chapter 5. This, these are the verses leading up to his description of Elijah's prayer. Listen to what James says about helping God answer your prayers. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, anointing with oil was actually a medicinal practice in those days. So it's not just spiritual, they're praying over you, you're doing what you can to help answer the prayer so that God can do what you can't. Verse 15, is any among you sick? I read that, verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you're physically sick, go to the doctor and pray. If you're spiritually sick, pray to God for forgiveness and confess your sins to one another. Do what you can and ask God to do what you can't. I want to show you how that worked out in Elijah's life. Uh, because, because, before we go back to Elijah, because of Jesus, we can actually pray more, we can, we can pray more astutely than Elijah could in partnering with him. Here's what, here's what Elijah did. 1 Kings 18, verse 43. He told his, his servant, go look toward the sea, he said to, told his servant, and he went and he looked. Why? Because he prayed for rain. 
Well, he can't make the rain, but he can get ready for it and expect it to come. So the servant goes and looks. What does that look like for you? Here's the good news. You can pray more expectantly than Elijah because Jesus gave his spirit to empower you. When Jesus described the Holy Spirit, John 16, he called him the helper. And some translations say the, the comforter or the counselor. That word means one who comes alongside. So you think about a, a doctor next to a, a bedside coming alongside. Or I like this illustration better, a coach on the sideline who during the game is shouting instructions. He is not just rooting for you, he is helping you along the way to victory. And the Holy Spirit is not just with you. He's beside you right now. And when you ask God for these big, bold, bodacious prayers, particularly that align with his will, he's not only gonna give you a yes, he's gonna give you the strength of the Holy Spirit to accomplish what you couldn't accomplish on your own. We have the ability to actually pray more expectantly than Elijah. Here's, here's the last thing. Elijah was resilient in his prayers. He didn't stop praying when he didn't get the answer immediately that he wanted. Let me show you how that works. Verse uh, 43 and 44. The, the servant comes back and says, there's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant, servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Seven times he prayed. And the answer to the prayer was just this little cloud over there. And so Elijah went to Ahab and said, son, you better run because it's about to pour. Elijah knew not to give up at the first sign of silence from God. Just because the rain didn't come immediately doesn't mean it wasn't coming. And some of us, when God seems silent, we take it as a no, when it may just be a wait. May, may not be a no, maybe not yet. So how long should you pray? Seven times? Seven days? Seven months? How about seven years? I, I know there's this, this person I know, I heard her story this week. She talked about praying for her father. She came to Christ uh, when she was in college. And when she came to Christ, she began praying for her dad. Now, her parents got divorced when she was a toddler, so she'd never lived with her dad. She knew him, she loved him, but man, he was, he was a mess. And by a mess, I mean, <laughs> at one point, uh, her dad was dating an exotic dancer that she had gone to high school with. Why would someone do that? Well, because they're doing cocaine and crack. Not, not the best decision-making drugs. So she's praying for her dad, praying for her dad, her mom said, oh, your dad will never come to Christ. Her sister's like, there's no hope for him to come to Christ. But she kept praying for 12 years. And he came to Christ. And he came to church. And then he started serving on the worship team at his church. And today he is an elder of the church that he serves. How long have you been praying for that person that you care about? How long have you been praying for a child? How long have you been praying for healing? 
Just because God has not said yes does not mean he said no. Now, he might say no, and that's okay. He's God. He can do that. But when you pray, when you listen to God first and pray in his will, the yes will eventually come. And when it does, man, there's celebration. The problem for me, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but the problem for me is when there's a long waiting period, a long silence, it's in the suffering that I begin to give up on prayer. I want you to hear this, again, from uh, James. He talks about that long waiting period. This is James chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. There's a prayer I know you'll get a yes for. You ask God for wisdom, yes, always yes. And you know how it's a yes? Often through struggles. The next verse says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. It reminds me of last week's message when Ashley talked about it's time to quit wavering. Elijah's call to the people, quit wait, either, either go with God or, or go with Baal, but make a decision. And in prayer, we need to make a decision. Are we going to trust in God or are we going to trust in ourselves? This lesson is difficult, but it was a lesson that even Jesus had to learn. Now, you heard me say that correctly. That's not blasphemy. That's Hebrews chapter 4, chapter 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And if Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering, it is not too much to ask for you and for me to wait on prayers even in that dark season of life. But the good news is, you can actually pray more resiliently than Elijah because Jesus modeled victorious suffering. Now, I want to summarize what, what I've said because this is, this is the, it really is tough to believe that you can pray even better than Elijah could pray, but you really can, and here's why. Because of Jesus, you have greater resilience than Elijah. Because of the Holy Spirit, you have more power at your disposal than Elijah. Because of scriptures, you have more clarity than Elijah ever did. And because of the Father, you can have more boldness than Elijah ever did. So it would be easy for me to call you to pray. Here's the challenge, just go, go pray. But I wanna put more feet to it than that. I wanna give you a prayer resource that I think will be an ongoing help to many of you. And it's in your mobile app. So go ahead and pull out your phones and uh, call up the mobile app. It's going to look like this. When you get on the mobile, if you haven't downloaded it yet, that even online, this is a great time to go ahead and download it. We're going to be here for just a minute. Download the mobile app. The second line, there's tiles. So the first line is just for you. The second line says news and events. If you'll scroll over news and events, you're going to see a tile that is, it says need prayer question mark, a little gray tile, a guy praying. Did you know that you could submit a prayer request? It's anonymous. You can submit a prayer request to our church 
and have our prayer team pray for you. And I, have, I would just like to encourage you on all our campuses watching online, go ahead and submit a prayer request. We will pray for every single prayer request that's put in. I want, you to, I want you to practice praying bold, bodacious, long, resilient prayers because that's what's going to make you powerful to change your family, to change your culture, even change the world. Next to it, and this is, this is amazing, right next to it, you, you might be thinking, how, won't, won't your staff be overwhelmed with 35,000 prayers? Yes, we would be except that we have a volunteer team, just like we have in the parking lot, just like we have at the coffee shop, we have a volunteer prayer team that will join us, prayer warriors, interceding on your behalf to God. Look, our, this is too important for us to not get right. Our mission is to reach this entire valley for Jesus Christ. We are never gonna do great things with God if we have puny prayer lives. We'll do some things. We might pat ourselves on the back, but if you want to do something extraordinary for God, something worth talking about 800 years from now, it will require all of us to be prayer warriors, praying these bold prayers. And if God joins us in our prayers and we do what we can with him, not only will we reach this valley for Christ, but do you believe that we could actually reach the entire world for Jesus Christ? So I, I just, I, I just wanna make, make a pledge to you. That word in James 5, the prayer of a righteous man, that word for prayer is actually, it's a rare word. It's only used three times in the entire New Testament. It, it's other, the other two times it's used is translated as a vow. That you make a vow to God that I'm going to do what I can. And so I want to make a vow to God right now in front of you. The next time I preach on prayer, I will not confess my weakness in prayer. I will celebrate the strength of God in my prayers. I want to invite all of you into that vow to say to God, if this is something that I've not been attending to, because I believe in myself too much, I'm gonna repent and I'm gonna to turn to God in prayer. Now, I will do what I can and let God do what I can't. Holy Father, hear our vows, hear our prayers. Surprise us with your power so that this valley and this world could know the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Have a great week.